You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to our podcast, sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. If your eyes are bleary from all the election coverage, a good cup of Lono Coffee could get you through the day. Today, I'm joined by Nikki Jabala from The Washington Post and Ben Standig from The Athletic and The Standig Room Only Podcast. We have a writer's roundtable, even though we're actually on Zoom and there's no roundtable but it's about the state of the team. We talk about everything from Ron Rivera to Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, and the defense. And then it's Tailgate Ted, back with some recipes. It's been a minute since we talked some barbecue, so let's get at it. You can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now about the four-game stretch coming up for Washington, how it's a chance to make a move one way or another. And if you didn't hear my podcast with Bob Glauber earlier in the week, give it a listen. He was great talking about Joe Gibbs, someone he interviewed for his book, Guts and Genius, that came out two years ago. Before I get to the writer's roundtable, I want to give you a few nuggets of information or a little bit of insight. On the trade deadline, it was no surprise that N. Ryan Kerrigan wasn't traded. Did he demand a trade? I don't think so. That's not his style. Um, I don't think he went into the team and said anything, but I have been telling you he'd welcome a trade. I don't think that's ever been real, that ever was in doubt. And I do believe that there there were conversations with the team, most likely through his agent. I don't know that his agent demanded trade, but I do think there were talks to see where Kerrigan stood without a doubt. And, and I also believe that Kerrigan may have relayed certain, th- certain thoughts to his agent, but I don't know that those thoughts were then communicated to the team. The lack of playing time certainly has bothered him. My understanding is that he's, you know, clearly he's fine with Sweat and Ch- Montez Sweat and Chase Young starting. He said that publicly, and I think he gets that. He sees the talent. They're, those guys are first-round picks. They're unbelievably talented, and they're actually and they're doing a really good job. But seven snaps followed by 16 is difficult to take, especially for a guy who's meant what he has to this franchise. Even if the offense in those games was holding the ball a long time, keeping the young ends fresh, it's still, you still would have liked, he still, you, me, he, whatever, would have liked to have seen more. Ron Rivera has said publicly he wants Kerrigan to play more. My understanding is that's what was also stated to Kerrigan privately as well after that seven-snap game. They do value his leadership, and that was something that was relayed to him as well. Um, And know this, Kerrigan has wanted to stay in Washington for his entire career. That is something that was true. Some guys say stuff like that publicly. Kerrigan has meant it. I know that. Um, I've heard it from him, and I've heard it from other people close to him. He was once told he'd be a Redskin for life by owner Dan Snyder. That was only a year ago at this time. And if Bruce Allen had stuck around, Kerrigan would have been signed to an extension. Now, he could be entering the final nine games 
of his Washington tenure. There was no real dialogue with teams over any of their players, whether it was Kerrigan, Dwayne Haskins, Ryan Anderson. It was that way around the league, of course, and in Kerrigan's case, the contract was going to be an issue. In a year where less income is coming in, taking on a deal that would be around $6 million for a new team over the course of the rest of the season would be difficult, especially given that he'd likely just be a situational rusher who would then go elsewhere after the season. I will say it would be a shame to see Kerrigan end his career elsewhere, but it's not unusual at all in the NFL or even for this franchise. And this team at times under Dan Snyder and with Bruce Allen has held on to players for sentimental reasons or because the owner liked them. And that took them beyond their effective playing days. D'Angelo Hall stuck around longer than he probably should have. He's just one guy. I like D'Angelo Hall, but, but if you were running a different team or if a different person was running it, I don't think that he would have stuck around as long as he did. I don't think it's a good way to run a, a football business. I've always liked and respected Kerrigan as a pro and for his performance. But if this staff doesn't think he can help them or that he'd cost too much for the role they'd want him, then it would be time to move on. And that's okay. He's been here a long time. He is in his early 30s. This is when teams make those kind of decisions. You look at New England. They make these kind of decisions all the time. Kerrigan can then choose his next team. A lot of great ex-Redskins, ex-Washington players, Redskins, they were Redskins, ended elsewhere. London Fletcher was a terrific player, but only spent a portion of his career in Washington. Again, it would be a shame to see Kerrigan go. He has meant a lot to Chase Young. He's meant a lot, to, I think, to Montez Sweat. I think he's really good for them to have around. Um, but for him, if he's not going to play a lot, why would he want to stick around? And, and that's what happens. You make the decisions, you move on, and they have talented young ends. They would just have to find someone who can be an effective situational pass rusher as Kerrigan still can be. Finally, some injury updates. People keep asking about running back Bryce Love. I wish they'd listen to the podcast because I've given a few updates over the last month or so. He'll still be on injury reserve for a while. I haven't gotten any sense that he's going to somehow come off and then be ready to take over or hop in and be the guy that they need there. In other words, it's the same update. You know, I don't know. I haven't heard any. There's no movement as to when he could come off. I don't. Again, I don't think they're sitting there, you know, rubbing their hands together, saying, "Oh, just wait till Bryce Love gets out there." That's not the case. Um, the Bryce Love that people remember is the guy in college. The Bryce Love they saw this summer was not that guy, and I think they want him to see if he can come back, give him as much time on there as possible, and then see what happens. So we'll see. Anyway, that's enough from me. Now let's get to the roundtable discussion with Nikki Javala from the Washington Post and Ben Standig from The Athletic. Listen how I butcher his podcast name, and he corrects it later. Fun times, folks. You've heard me talking about Low Note Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Low Note Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, LoneOakCoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right. Put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, 
and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com. That's L-O-N-E-O-A-K Coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. Well, now I am joined by Nikki Javala from the Washington Post, Ben Standig from The Athletic, and I'm going to say the Standig Tall podcast because when we first recorded this, I messed up. And in the retaping or in the taping of my intro, I said I messed it up. So I'm going to mess it up again, but it's really the Standing Room Only podcast. So, Ben, I got you covered there. But I appreciate you guys coming on. So people know these guys are helping me out again because we taped this and something happened with Zoom. And now they're nice enough to tape it again, so I greatly appreciate that. So I want to start off with something, Nikki, you and I kind of texted about after Ron Rivera's press conference on Wednesday, just about he looked different. Yeah. And, and what did you see in just in that Zoom press conference? He looked more like himself. He had his energy, kind of that glow back. He, you know, he was out on the field, roaming the field instead of, you know, standing by a golf cart off to the side. Um, he had his energy back and I, you know, I would imagine a lot of it is due to him finishing his treatment, but, um, you know, it was just, it, it was cool to see. It was a, it was a different kind of run than we've seen in the the past few weeks. So kind of happy for him to see him at this point. And, and Ben, you know, one of the things that he talked about too, he didn't feel like he could coach the way he wanted to. How much of a benefit is it to have him being able to do that again? Well, first, I just want to say I'm 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 better at home than on the road. So if I if I don't if I sound incoherent, uh, you know, please understand. Um, look, I, I think you know the one thing we, we I think the one takeaway I have from this season for these guys is they really respect the hell out of this guy, and not just because of what he's doing, uh, what he went through going through the cancer treatment while coaching, but just the message he gets out to them. They've said that over and over again that it's very different than previous years. That was with him dealing with so much. Now, if he can just focus on the football, you have to imagine that's going to translate into, I can't say more wins, but, you know, better spirit, maybe more um, understanding of what he wants from him, from him, from them. And ultimately, for me, that's what this season is about, establishing a baseline, what it means to play for this team, for this organization. And I mean that in a positive way. And take that going forward when you have more cap space, the players are, you know, the younger guys develop more and so on. And I think one of the things, too, is, you know, he can be in meetings. He can interact on the field. And, Nikki, I think you were talking about before the building relationships aspect. How important is that for him? I mean, that's a, that's a lot of what Ron is about. I mean, he talks all the time about how he's learned from past coaches, past players, um, mentors like John Madden. So he really is a relationships guy. And, and being here as much as he wants to, as much as he can and wants to, um, he can really start to build those relationships. I mean, we see him on the practice field before games. He shakes the hands of every player. Um, and, and that's important, especially, you know, with so many new coaches, new players, um, just establishing that rapport. Um, I, I think it's paramount to, to building that culture that he wants. And speaking of the culture, Terry McLaurin named a captain the other day. And Ben, I'll start with you on this one because we were around him last year. This is Nikki's first time being around, so I'm going to ask her in a second. But we were around him last year. I'm assuming you're not surprised at what he's elevated to with this. No, I mean, there are, forget just football players, just human beings. You you meet some people and you're just like, whoa, this is like another level of something. And in his case, to be, um, you know, he's he's a little bit older than your standard rookie, but at the same point, 
the level of maturity that he brought, uh, you know, it's v- pretty rare that I've seen with, with, with players, um, athletes, and like I said, or just people in general. So not surprising. Plus, we had seen just the previous, you know, after the Dallas game, he gives that speech and he even talks about, hey, I know I'm a young guy and not a captain, but yada, 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 you know, keep this spirit, you know, you know, all that. And that was that, that was great to see. And yeah, not a surprise that, that the other players responded to that. And uh, it makes absolute sense in the world that you would want him as a captain because at the end of the day, you, you know, it's not just enough to have talent. You've got to have guys who know what it takes to win or have to work hard. And he's one of those guys you want to – you want him to be out front so people emulate what he's doing. And it's funny because as, as an Ohio State guy, you know, I knew about him before he came here. You knew what Urban Meyer thought about him. And you have this vision of a kid, and he's exactly what I thought he would be. Nikki, you've only been able to deal with them through Zoom. Has all this stuff kind of jumped out to you when dealing with them there? Oh, absolutely. I, I think one of the things that's really impressed me is not only through the Zoom press conferences, but, you know, on the field and practice during games is he's very selfless. And for that position specifically, not to overgeneralize, but... You know, I think we all know that receivers, they want the ball. They want their targets. And, you know, I'm sure he does too, but he's not, you know, somebody complaining about getting more touches. You know, he's he's happy to make that key block that leads to a touchdown for his teammate. And I think that's important. And, again, you don't you don't always turn to that position for, for leadership. On offense, it's, you know, either the quarterback position or, you know, a veteran on the line. Um, and here he is 21 games into his pro career, and he's – a captain, a well-respected veteran, I guess, on a really young group. And, um, you know, very much, you know, the the pro that it, it appears that Ron Rivera is looking to build around. I mean, this is kind of the model guy that he wants for this organization. I think Chase Young kind of fits into that exactly. role, too, you think? Exactly. I mean, I think they're both very similar. They're, you know, kind of all business on the field. They came in and they seem like veterans, you know, it's both incredibly talented obviously but more their mindset their maturity the way they approach the game approach practice um it's just on a, on a different level and the, another guy another young kid ben antonio gibson coming off an 120 yard 28 128 yard game what have you seen from him as he has developed you know the highlight tape you know people always get blown away by watching some guy's highlight tape in college or high school or wherever level it is and you're like all right uh you know you're just showing the good stuff well okay his highlight tapes was off the charts crazy the the amount of tackles he's breaking and more and more we we start to see uh some of that here both as a receiver and as a runner and you know i think he, he's the kind of guy when you have a lead and you have some momentum and you can get him out into space that's where you know you can you can you can, can sort of control uh, what's happening, that is where he really looks he's, he's going to be effective. I think there's still some questions about how he's doing you know, in the, sort of the basic runs and things like that, but the upside is obvious, and he's really a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, we started the season knowing, okay, yeah, Terry McLaurin is a playmaker, and after that, we'll see. I think it's pretty clear. It's Antonio Gibson, and I would probably argue J.D. McKissick, is in that general category as well, and it'll be really fun to see what they can do going forward now that they're starting to get a little bit more momentum at that spot. Nikki, what do you think we're going to see from him in the second half here? I, I think you're going to see a guy that's just getting more and more comfortable. And it's not just him. I mean, you think about the run game. It's, you know, starts up front with the line. You know, it, it starts with Scott Turner, with him getting more comfortable with calling plays and knowing his personnel. And I think once that all comes together, you're going to see more and more games like, you know, we saw against Dallas. Now, you know, not every 
team is as bad as Dallas, so you have to factor that in. But, you know, I, I think he's a smart player, obviously. Very talented. He's got the physical traits with the speed, the strength, the power. I mean, he's he's got it all. It's just a matter of putting it all together. I think you bring up a good point, though, with Scott Turner, because without the benefit of a full offseason, without the benefit of preseason games, and with a young team, new offense – he doesn't have a chance. The coach don't have a chance to learn these guys as much or, or to integrate as much as they want to as right away. But I think we saw that in the Dallas game. One of the plays that he, they had the 40-yard run was not a typical running back handoff. He's coming out of the slot. Right. And they fake to McKissick. They fake the jet to Cam Sims. And he comes behind Cam Sims. So it's a well-designed play. And I also I think that's a, a, an example of maybe a developing offense and what you can do and certainly taking advantage of Dallas linebackers getting fooled like crazy but I think that might be Ben that might be something more we see of from this offense going forward I think yeah you know obviously when they've gone through these quarterback changes a lot of people question well wait why are we criticizing the quarterback well what's up with the offensive coordinator and look I mean obviously everybody gets you know should take some dings but you know like you said not only Scott Turner relatively inexperienced at the job he just like everybody else didn't have the opportunity to to uh, to to have all the practice also they don't have a lot of stuff I mean they don't have a lot of proven stuff and the offensive line has been especially on the left side is a constant change that Steven Sims hasn't been around now for a few games he's practicing this week we'll see if he's off IR but you know he hasn't been around so it's not like there's a ton to work with but and also Gibson He's only had it's it's insane that he had more catches as a running back at college last year than he had carries, and and so he's still clearly learning the position. McKissick was also it would never historically been like a real running back, so there's a lot to work with that Scott Turner's got to figure out. Like you said, he's doing it on the fly, and you know again, not not going to sit here and say you know he's the, he's the definitive answer and, and all that, but like yeah, we're starting to see what he can do as well and how to integrate these guys uh, out there. Also, by the way. He's had Kyle Allen the last two games. That makes a massive difference. The offense just looks simply much better with Kyle Allen than it did before. And I think that's a good point, too. Now switching the other side of the ball, the defense. I was surprised to see fourth in total yards allowed, 11th in points. Nikki, I mean, am I reading this wrong? Like, I thought the defense was playing better, but those numbers suggest something else. Do you think they're as good as those numbers, or do you think they still got to get there? I think they're a little bit deceiving. I mean, they lead the league in passing defense, but they've also given up the most, like, huge plays of 40 yards or more. So it's a little, you're like, how does this add up? But when you think about it, if they can eliminate, you know, a couple of those big mistakes, they're really a top-notch defense. And this is, you know, without some of the key pieces. I mean, you know, we'll see how the secondary holds up without Landon Collins back there, but... You know, this is just the beginning, and I think a lot of it is a credit to Chase Young and obviously Jack Del Rio, but having that line, because they were deep up front last year and weren't having the right. success. Um, but I, I think it, it shows what the scheme change in allowing your players to do what they do best so Montez Sweat can do what he's done this season and, and really getting to the quarterback. Um, it, it changes everything. It does. And the funny thing is, like, I mean, the next four games, I think Dallas is the highest-ranked offense. And it's a different offense that they're facing. We saw what they are right now. So this is a chance to get healthy. And, Ben, I think when you look at this D, you, know, you look at that defensive line, the ends and all that, but are you surprised with those rankings? And do you buy where this defense is yet? Well, first, can I just say, what's going on with the Wi-Fi signal out here at the park? It's been really bad the last two days. I think that's important because <laughs> I haven't gotten any updates. I mean, Nikki's normally tweeting some breaking news every 20 My minutes. My Wi-Fi and, is fantastic. Uh, well, Thank well, you very well, then, I guess you're just not tweeting while you're doing this. That's respectful. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I, on the one hand, yes, you can see the potential. They obviously blitzed 
Dallas, you know, with Andy Dalton, and then obviously they took advantage of the young quarterback. We saw some of the same things in week one when the Eagles had a, a pretty weak defense, and there's been signs. We get it. The defensive line is really impressive. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and so on. They also have allowed 30 points in a bunch of games, and, and I made this point um, in our podcast that nobody will ever hear that, like, even though the offense has put them in some bad spots or some turnovers, you don't just have to automatically give up a touchdown. And it felt like that kept happening, or at least big plays. They The last couple of weeks, though, we saw them stiffen up a bit. Uh, in the Giants game, the Giants scored three, the first three possessions, but two of them were field goals. Um, you know, obviously Dallas really kind of got nowhere. So that's, I think, going to be a big key going forward. It's not just enough to sort of look good at some time. Can you do it consistently? And as the offenses you're facing get better, yes, these next four games, not good teams, but there's at least... It should be a more competitive situation than maybe what they saw last week against their previous game against Dallas. Right, and speaking of this next four, we can end it on this one too. We look at, you know, you look at this next four games with the Giants and the Lions, the Bengals, and the Cowboys, kind of a huge stretch. Nikki, where do you think this team's going to be at the end of this stretch? They just, is it, are they going to be legit, legitimate NFC East contenders at the end of this? I mean, that's a hope, right? I think I, I think they're built to be. Um, you know, they don't have all the pieces they want, but to compete in this division, I think they have enough pieces. Um, it's just a matter of minimizing the mistakes. I mean, that's always what has hurt them. Um, you know, and I, I think if they can do that, then they have a chance to be, you know, what record Pretty do you good. think it's going to take to if they like? What's oh, the minimum? Man. Is it over is, these next four games? Oh, I mean, I, I think they could go two and two. They, I think they have. If they want to contend, you almost yeah. have to. Yeah, yeah. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I understand from a fan's perspective why you want to talk about uh, the division title, and from the players and coaches' perspective, sure, it's more fun to talk about the playoffs than not. And I also get the value of. If later in the season there are games that have meaning that that could you know that can have value to these young guys. That said, oh my lord, this idea of talking about the playoffs in any real way—not saying you, but like the conversation out there—is just like this is not a playoff team. Now this division is terrible. Thus they may become one. Yeah, they have to go two and two at a minimum over these next uh, four weeks because after that the schedule is awful. Um, now Philadelphia has similar uh, similar issues, but regardless. You know, Washington has to get go at least two and two. It's it's certainly reasonable. Look, um, next week they play Detroit. Matthew Stafford's on the uh, reserve COVID list right now. We'll see what that means. Obviously, if he's out, that's a gives Washington a much better chance to win on the road. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I get it. Like I said, if the defense in particular can continue what they did against Dallas moving forward against even the Giants, you know, were able to do some things. The Giants took Tampa Bay to the to the buzzer the other day. If they can do that. That's a good sign, but that's going to have to that have to happen. And Kyle Allen's got obviously limited turnovers. All right, well, I'm going to get you guys out of here because we're sitting in my car and Ben's about to sweat himself away. <laughs> so I want to get him out of there. But, Nikki, tell people where they can find you. Um, at WashingtonPost.com or on Twitter at Nikki Jabvala, N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A. There you go. Ben, where can they find you and listen to your podcast? <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, at Ben Standig on Twitter. Obviously, I write for The Athletic. And, yeah, the podcast is Standig Room only. Everywhere you find John's podcast, presumably you'll be able to find mine as well. Uh, I appreciate the, the chance to talk. Thank you guys for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. After this break, I'll be back with my conversation with Tailgate Ted. He'll be one of the few at Sunday's game. He can't tailgate, but he does share what he would have cooked this weekend had he been able to tailgate. He's also going to share another recipe that I think you'll enjoy. Also, he'll talk about some important work he's doing for Blackfeet Nation because of their need for PPEs. Please pay attention to that one, folks. 
Now joined by Tailgate Ted. You guys know him. I enjoy talking to him. Great chef uh, and a big time Washington fan. So Ted, you're going to be one of the few people who get to see this team in person this year. What's that? What, what are you anticipating with that? Honestly, John, I, I never thought I'd be able to get a chance to see the team play this year, short of having to travel to Dallas for Thanksgiving. So I'm really excited to be there. And I know it's going to be a small amount of fans that they're allowing in the stands, I believe 3,500. But believe me, I'm going to yell and scream as if there are 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 of us in those stands. What's it been like when, because I know how it is as a reporter's perspective, but for a, somebody who's used to going to games and all that, what's it been like not being able to go? It's different. It's it's not the same. It, it, you just, you feel when you're there as a 12th man, you can help your team out. When you're watching from your couch and you're not able to, I guess, get into the game with that fervor you do when you're in person, it doesn't feel the same to me. I obviously love this team and will watch it no matter what, but you feel like something is missing on Sunday. It's yeah. And it would, as for me, when I watch a team, if I'm, I'm an Ohio state fan, I watch their games and there's nobody there and you hear this cheering and then they flash the fans and like, there's nobody there. And so like, where you know, it's just, it's an odd situation for everybody. Um, but for you, you know, you're tailgate Ted. Have you been tailgating at home? Have you been doing something special at home before these games? We've been doing some home getting here, um, usually cooking for four or 500 people. And now it's just two with me and Mrs. Tailgate here in the house. <laughs> so just trying up some different recipes, maybe throwing some stuff in the smoker since I've got a little extra time and trying to avoid doing chores Sunday morning usually is what it comes down to. Do you actually call her Mrs. Tailgate to, her, to <laughs> in person or... <laughs> Every once in a while, when uh, she's not paying attention and the game's on, I'll ask her to, you know, Mr. Tailgate, can you please calm down a little bit here? <laughs> so what has been, has there been something that you've come up with during this time that you say, I can't wait to try this out at a real, because like, as you told me before we came on here, you can't tailgate this weekend. So is there something that you say, when we get back to that situation, I want to try this out for the masses because I really liked it over here. I've actually been trying to smoke some sausages on my mm. own. So getting some different seasonings, I've got a KitchenAid where I'm able to kind of ground up some different meats inside there and do some sausage casings. And I've got a smoker in the back and I'm looking forward to trying those out once we're actually able to be on the blacktop with everyone else and see what they say about them. What, what's for you, what's the key to making a good smoked sausage? That's something good I'd quality. like to try, but I haven't done yet. Good quality meat, really. It's, but you also have to have that fat content in there it can't be too lean because you don't want to dry out, but some good, good quality meat that you're going to grind up inside that. What's the, the ratio? Is it like 75, 25 meat to fat or what's the best ratio? I actually like that ratio. It just, with the pandemic going on, it kind of all depends on what you can really get your hands on right now, mm. what you can find in the store or get dropped off with Instacart. What for, for somebody, if somebody wants to tailgate at home, do them the home gating, what is your, do you have a go-to recipe for them? What's your go-to, go-to meal, go-to recipe? Well, I usually change it up each week, depending who we play. Mm -hmm. So because it's the Giants, I would probably do a little Italy spaghetti and meatball. Oh. So try and change it up. Maybe start the sauce first thing in the morning when you're checking your fantasy lineup to make sure your players are in or not. Kind of see what's going on. Let that sauce just come together before the game starts. 
Because about home gating, it's, it's not running around and doing stuff the entire time. It's kind of enjoying the fact that you're in your house, on your couch, relaxing and getting a chance to take in all the other things that happened that day versus when you're out in the lot, you're missing out on all the other coverage. So with, with your sauce, what's the key to a good sauce for you? I like San Marzano tomatoes. And I, I know it's sacrilegious to say you can just get some good sauce out of a can, but to get those tomatoes out of a can, because it's kind of hard to find those in a store, to me, that really makes it. But you have to give it time to develop. You can't just throw it on, heat it up, and expect it to be ready in 30 minutes. Do you make your own pasta? I do not make my own pasta. So I, I'm not going to lie there. That's something that I have never gotten into. I don't have the patience. And frankly, I feel that my cat and my dog would probably try and eat it while it's drying in the house. So it wouldn't work out yeah. too well. You know, it's funny. I just made some, I made my own pasta a couple of weeks ago for some lasagna that my wife made, but I made the pasta and it is a, it is a, a tougher process. The pasta is really good. So <laughs> I will say that. How about the meatballs? What do you, what's the, what's your key there? And I assume you're making your own. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I like to throw some veal in the meatballs to try and change it up. I don't all one want one kind of flavor inside it. But Dizzy Pig has some different seasonings inside that I like to use to throw in some of those meatball mixes. Which one? Trying to think of which one it is that I have inside there. I know I like the Mediterranean-ish, depending on what I'm going to be making that day. But I've got to find it inside my cupboard. I've had that thing sitting back there for quite some time. But they've got some really good flavors just because you don't have to worry about having all the different spices sitting in your cupboard left and right. They've got them all mixed for you. And yes. And so that that's, so that would be your one for the giants game. So that's what's, what's one other one. Like, do you have one other one that you, that people say, this is my favorite one that you do. So the Washington post did an article maybe 15 years ago on these country style ribs that I make. Hmm. And it's something that I haven't done in quite some time because it's just hard to produce in large quantities but they're pork loin country style ribs are boneless. And I've got an Asian slash kind of American barbecue marinade I made that they come together and really tender, but you get the caramelization on those ribs as well from the barbecue sauce. And I like to go boneless usually when I'm doing tailgate food, just because it's less to clean up. True. With, with, with those ribs, what's the key? What do you, what do you, how are you seasoning them and how long are you cooking them? Soy sauce, Garlic, a lot of garlic, garlic powder, lemon pepper. I like to make a barbecue sauce, but if you don't have the time for that, there's a KC Masterpiece sauce, which I really mm. like the flavor with that, and then some hot sauce. But the key is to marinating them overnight. In really. What? So in that sauce, in the okay. entire mix. Oh, in that sauce. Okay. There I marinate it overnight, and then I baste it as it's cooking. But it's not really a low and slow because it's – they're country style ribs. They're not your traditional bone-in ribs. Last thing, um, I know the Blackfeet Nation, that's something that's near and dear to your heart. What, what do you want to let people know about that? So the Blackfeet Nation, the reservation has actually been hit with a lot of COVID cases. And it's only a population of 12,000. But that 12,000 actually spans the size of Delaware. And they've been driving and delivering meals to all of these people in boxes. To date, it's been 42,000 meals that they've delivered over the past seven months and 3,000 shelter in place boxes. 
that have PPE in them, that have non-perishable goods. So I'm working with them to try and get the word out. And we've started a GoFundMe page where all the proceeds are going to go to the Pekani Lodge. It's a nonprofit health institute on the Blackfeet Reservation. And we're working on an Amazon wish list where people can just send packages just by going to their own Amazon and having it shipped directly out to the lodge. And then they'll make sure that the mass and non-perishable items will get to the families that need it. And is there is there a direct site to go to or are they just with going to GoFundMe? You can just type in Blackfeet Nation or... There's a direct site to go to, but it's kind of long to put inside. I'm working on a shortened link. You can go into GoFundMe and actually type Blackfeet Nation. Okay. And it'll pop right up. I'll tweet it to you. You can message me at Tailgate Ted. And if you have any stuff lying around the house, or if you're going to a big box store, if you've got anything lying around, I'm happy to pick it up from you with a mask and some gloves on, put it in the back of my tailgate van and ship it out myself. What items would you suggest? Gloves, masks, canned goods are kind of heavy. So gloves, masks, and you know, hand sanitizer, things like that, that we can send out their way. Cool. Ted, thanks for coming on. I hope people can contribute to that to help others out because that's what this is all about. So thank you very much for coming on, Ted. I appreciate it, John. It's good to talk to you. That's it for this week. Thanks to Nikki Javala and Ben Standig for coming on, as well as Tailgate Ted. And thank you, as always, for listening. Please remember to support our sponsors, including Lone Oak Coffee. Talk to you after the Giants game.